This is Authors in Focus. I'm James Reed, a fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by John Bennett. He is the author of The Path of a Titan, The Proving. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm doing fine. It's um overcast where I'm at, so it's a typical day here in Washington. How about you? Uh here in New Jersey, the sun's out for the first time uh in like three, four days, so yeah, I'm enjoying um enjoying the weather as best as I can. Cool. Are you from New Jersey? I am from New Jersey, yes, born and raised. Yeah, you got that you got that accent. Not not really <laughs> strong, like it's there, like I can you, you know, it's funny. Uh, people from New Jersey, we don't understand that we have an accent. We don't we don't yeah know. it's not like it's not like a stereotypical like one but it's like i can definitely like kind of tell that you're from like that area it's <laughs> you know uh, but yeah i know i don't know i don't know what my accent sounds like that's the problem right you know you don't know how you sound to other people yeah i mean unless you know from like down south where they have like that you know that kind of accent but no i don't, I don't hear any kind of accent you know huh. Yeah, that's uh, that's TV, right? It's kind of like melted everyone's accents together in the United States. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I always like to start off my interviews with a dumb question. So, John. Yes. Are you an Android person or a cyborg person? An Android person or a cyborg person? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I'm going to go more with Androids because uh. I don't know, more, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want to say realistic, but I don't, I don't want to say realistic. But then again, I feel like, I feel like androids will be able to adapt better to society other than cyborgs. Okay. But I think I'm going to go with android. What about you? Oh, me? I don't know. I'm not a sci-fi person, so I'm neither. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'm like, I don't, like, I'm not a fan of AI or, um, and cybernetic enhancement stuff. I'm very, I'm, not, I'm kind of a luddite in that way. That's why I write you're, fantasy. You're in fantasy? Okay. So, yeah. elves or dwarves? Dwarves. Or with dwarves? Dwarves, dwarves are just the best fantasy race. Mm. They're hardworking, they're tough, they're tenacious, they don't give up, they don't take shit. Mm-hmm. I like it, I like it. So, uh, John, how long have you wanted to be an author? How long have I wanted to be an author? I mean, I, um, well, when I was, uh, when I I would say like 12, I used to write comics, but I never actually thought, oh, maybe I could be an author one day. It was just something I did for fun. It wasn't until, uh, uh, at least maybe like a year before I started writing my book now. So probably 2016, 2017. I was like, you know what? I think I really want to get back into it. And I think that's when the passion really started to unfold. Let's talk about your novel, The Path of the Titan, The Proving, which has a great catchphrase. You either win or you die. 
which I liked. It really struck out. So uh, tell us about the book. Who is our main character or characters? What's it about? What's the conflict? Who's our bad guys? All that great stuff. Let's get right to it then. Um, the Path of a Titan is a science fiction adventure all written in the first person. So let's jump into the eyes of a young Carson Paul as he pledges to join the global military in hopes of learning the secrets behind his parents' disappearance. So to do that, Carson needs to, he needs to venture into the forbidden territory of Alana. And from there, he can join the proving. And the proving is a 50 mile race through treacherous terrains, carnivorous predators, and worst of all, 500 or even more, 500 other competitors who all have the same goal in mind. And that is to be able to be drafted into one of the four legions of the global military. And that's the first book. Awesome. Yeah, Sounds right. like a really good story. You got a good motivation for your character. He's like, not just join the military for no reason. He has a purpose. So there's obviously, you got some nice motivation there and I, a mystery. So mysteries are always good to drag your readers along, aren't they? Of course, of course. You know, it makes them, it makes them want to know more. It makes them want to flip every page. And that's okay. why I like, and that's what I plan. That's what I, uh, I strive to do in, in my first book is every chapter, there is no filler chapters. There's always something going on in every chapter that drives a plot or either pushes the character development of a character or another. There's always something going on. And that's what I wanted to write a book about because when I read other books and I, you know, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw out names, but you know, when I read books and I see like there's filler chapters or even like when I watch like TV and there's like this episode has nothing to do with the plot. It's kind of just, you know, something it's like, you know, what's the, what's the point? So in my Yes. Every scene should do at least one thing, which is world building, character development, or plot. And ideally, it should do more than one of those things. Exactly. Exactly. But at the very least, it needs to be doing one of those things. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, uh, we have our, our character. Is there, are there any, uh, antagonists? Of course there's antagonists. Yes. Uh, his name is Robert Fox. And I don't want to give out any real spoilers, but he is one of the, the the leaders in uh in the global military. Uh he's the leader of Fox Legion. And um he is based on the moons where he has a a project up or he doesn't have a project up his sleeve. He has a uh a motivation up his sleeve that is going to give him more power throughout the story. I think that's as much as I can say without really getting into details and, and giving the plot away. Yeah, I know. It's good having, like, you need to have a a nice villain that can, or just a, an obstacle to the hero. Like, the hero needs an obstacle. Otherwise, the story is just, um, it's boring. It's boring well, when the hero's not challenged. Of course. Uh, oh, no, oh, no, the hero is most definitely challenged. Uh, but Robert Fox is the, he's the big antagonist. Uh, throughout the story, Carson has, you know, smaller, you know, he has, he has rivals, uh, you know, early on in the book, and then that pushes on throughout the rest of the book, and you know, throughout the proving, he he meets other characters that conflict with him, and and make the proving even harder for him to get through. And you know, there's there's a lot to it. But Robert Fox is he's the big picture. He's not the the pro. He's he's not like the problem in 
in the book, but he's going to be. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you got him sort of going through the most, like, what, what is a Titan? Maybe let's cover that. I'm kind of curious. It's like, it's called the path of the Titan, but like, what is a Titan? A Titan is a, a highly skilled soldier. So, I have a whole rank system, you know, in, you know, in place in the book. So once if Carson completes approving and he's drafted, he's going to start as a recruit. And he can go to what's called a low delta. Then he can get promoted to a high delta. Then it goes into the omega ranks, and there's beta, omega, alpha, omega. And then once he gets through that, there's titans, and there's beta, titan, titan, and then up top, one of the four is the alpha titan. The alpha titan is kind of like the colonel of the legion. And that's what Robert Fox is. He's an alpha titan. And there's four of them throughout the global military. And each of them has their own specific sector of the world that they are in charge of. Okay, gotcha. You know, that sounds like a, a nice system. Uh, so it's just like, is there any, I mean, we're in a, like a sci-fi zone. So is there any like enhancements or are they just like straight up normal people? Oh, no, no, of course not. Well, well, what do you mean, like, normal people, like androids and cyborgs? No, there's no androids and cyborgs. There are, I mean, if you want to call it a cyborg, there's, like, there's, uh, you know, like, prosthetics. You know, like, if a soldier, like, loses their finger or their arm, they, you know, they can get a, you know, they can get a, you know, a cyborg arm or something like that. Well, so, yeah, like, if it's, if it's something that's, like, connected to, like, your wetware, then I would call that a cyborg. Um, yeah. Where if it's just, like, But it's know, not, like, a cyberpunk kind of thing. But, it's, you know, but we're just we're just talking about the first book throughout the series. You know, there's there's going to be plenty of other kind of enhancements. And, you know, as Carson gets older throughout the series, you know, the world itself is going to get bigger. But for right now, in the first book, no, there's there's no like cyberpunk kind of details. The only thing that you really see is in the new world that makes it science fiction is it's it's a you know, like I said, it's a brand new world based off in a completely different galaxy. It's like it's like a human's uh, second hope, you know, Earth. Something happened to Earth, and, you know, I don't want to get into that, but, you know, something happened to Earth and, and civilization. They flew out to this other planet called Tyke, and that's like their, you know, their second chance. And so there's there's different cultures, there's different animals, you know, there's, uh, you know, advanced technologies like battle suits, like I was telling you about, like, you know, like that's that's what soldiers wear. They're called battle suits. So if you want me to, to describe battle suits, they're like uh, like an Iron Man suit or, you know, what uh what uh master uh master chief wears in halo you know something like something like that where they they jump into or like the video game anthem i mean that anthem kind of flops so not a lot of people know that but it's like they they open up a port in the back and they jump into the suit so it's like that kind of uh, you know battle suit and the battle suit is is uh, you know built with this uh this element called titanium and it's like this really, you know, strong but flexible metal that is found on Tyke and is run by this element called Rune that's only found, you know, in the southern parts of the territory. There, you know, there's just a lot to it that you can that you'll learn once you start reading it. No, no, I get that. So yeah, so it sounds like you uh, you put a kind of a lot of world building into this. Oh yeah, definitely. especially with sci-fi and fantasy, you definitely need to build, you know, the world that you have. Yeah. So, um, do you do any like sort of research into like, um, sort of like cutting edge science stuff or are you just sort of like, um, going like more soft science fiction where you don't really explain how things work? 
I would like to, I would like to explain as best as I can to make the readers, you know, to make the readers picture as clear as possible. Um, so let's say, let, let's say this. So the, the idea that Robert Fox wants is he wants this brain chip called Project Spine and Project Spine is a, you know, an implant that is put in the, in, uh, the stem of, of, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, the stem of the brain and, so I, and so with research, you know, I had to learn, you know, like brain parts and like what parts of the brain do. So, it, so it kind of relates to what Project Spine does. So, um, yeah, you know, there, there was, there was a good amount of research, especially with like, you know, uh, I had to dig deep in a, in a, in a, in a thesaurus because one of my characters named Kylie, who is Parsons' sister, she, uh, she's a very intelligent woman. So with her parts and her dialogue, I, I wanted to, I wanted to make her sound kind of like Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory, but have her own personality to it. So, like, I wanted her vocabulary to be more enhanced than the normal person. So, I definitely had to dig deep in my vocabulary and try to pull out, you know, sophisticated words, you know, just to make Kylie sound more sophisticated and, and you know, smart. No, I get that. I had a, I had a character named Eston in my first series where he was. Like he was like conscripted into the army, but he's like the son of a nobleman and he's very highly educated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he's around a bunch of like farmers and stuff. And so they, it's not like, it's not like he looks down on them, but he just like speaks and then they stare at him funny sometimes or like, who is this guy? Parse out what he necessarily, what he necessarily said. Like he's a good guy. Like they don't hate him or anything. Just like sometimes he just says things. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> Those are, those are some like five syllable words there. We need, we need like some two syllable ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's kind of like the gist of what I'm trying to make Kylie to be is, you know, she used those big syllable words and, you know, it just makes her sound more, you know, intelligent than a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. That can be, that can be challenging. <laughs> I know I read, I know I read one author and he's like, he, he put like a, a character in it, it's like an Uberman. It's like he's like way more smarter than any human can possibly be. And then he was like, it's the hardest, he says like the hardest thing he has to write because he has to like spend, he has to just like try to write as intelligently as possible, make this guy as smart as he can and just mm-hmm. like spend so much time on it. And uh, I think it's why that character doesn't have any POVs in the second series. <laughs> that might be part of it. Uh, also, it, it helps to cloud his motivations because you don't know, like, you know, he, you, you know what he's doing. But like this is a character that is very manipulative. So mm-hmm. you can't necessarily trust what they're doing. And since mm-hmm. we're not in their POV, we don't actually know why they're doing it. So it worked very well. Mm-hmm. He's like he's he claims he's going to save the world. But is he? Mm-hmm. And a very interesting dynamic in the second series. I like it. I like it a lot. But yeah, but that, yeah. that's why I, I wanted to write in the first person, just so you know, the readers can get in the eyes and in the head of the, of the perspective. Did you, um, were there any times when you felt like handicapped by that? Cause you got to only show from your main character's perspective, right? Say that again. Are you, well, are you jumping like POVs or are you just all in one character POV? In the first book, it's primarily Carson, but there are, there's about maybe three or four chapters that are in the sister's perspective. And I only did that just because I feel like it needed to be like in that moment for the readers to understand what's going on. It needs to be a Kylie. 
Yeah, yeah, it can be very um it can be very challenging to limit your POVs and yes. then try to figure out how to convey some information. Um yeah. but not only that, it's you know, you know, women don't speak like men. You know, women are completely different. So that was also one of the biggest challenges is how can I make Kylie sound like Kylie and not like a man writing Kylie? Have you ever had that kind of difficulties? Well, I don't write a lot. I don't write in the first person. No, I mean, I, I write, I write third person for my fantasy stuff. I mean, I have lots of POVs and stuff. I don't think it, it would work right to have it, but I mean, I wrote an entire book series with that is only was one only POV and it was a woman's. And, um, I don't know. I think I, I think I did good on it. I've never had complaints. Like my female readers liked her. Good. I thought wow. she came off as believable. So that's good. I like, I, I overthink things a lot. So yeah. When I write something, especially for Kylie or even the other females, it's like, is this, um, is this right? Is it, would she actually say this? But at least, you know, my, uh, my editor, my wife actually, um, uh, you know, she'll tell me if she'll read something, she'll be like, this isn't right. This, you know, she wouldn't say that. And then mark it off, change, and, you know, move on. But she, you know, she's really tough on me, but I love it. I love it about her. But yeah, no, I thought, um, I, I don't know. I just had some women like authors read it. And so they were fine with it. So, I mean, it was like, it was nervous. Like, cause I was like, I hadn't, cause like I'm comfortable. Like I know I don't have any, you know, issues running the male characters, but like, so doing an entire series with just a POV and it being a, a female POV was, you know, I was like, I was forcing myself to, to stretch. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it turned out great. I mean, no one read it, but I think it turned out great. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, at least, you know, that's the, one of the biggest things for an author is you need to have confidence in your writing. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you definitely need to have that. So, um, you got this book and you said there's going to be more there. Any more published or are you working on the next volume? Uh, yes, I am writing, uh, right now I'm, I'm in the editing stages of the sequel and I plan to at least have six books in this one series. And I also have ideas for spinoffs and origin stories and maybe like a little novella here and there. But right now, the main story, I believe, will be six books. Okay, cool. And um, do you have like a release date for it or I do, a little too early? I do, do not. Do? I do not. Okay. And, that is, and that is one of the biggest things. Um, that, that that was one of the biggest things that I, I wanted in the first book is I made myself have a deadline. And I think that was one of the biggest uh blunders of my first release is that I even gave myself a deadline. So for for this second book, there are no deadlines. It's done when it's done. And once it's done, then I will make a deadline for pre-orders and, and you know marketing and like that kind of thing. But for to have a deadline to complete the writing, I, I don't think I don't think I should do that to myself, especially being an indie author, because you know, I don't need a deadline. I don't I don't I don't have a publisher breathing down my back, you know, waiting for you know, the next part, it's just me. Oh, that's good. I, uh, I have a publisher and they're like, well, you wrote this 12 book series, so we'll just publish them all together. And I'm like, oh, cool. No, I just got to edit them. And they're like, cool. They're like, I was like, we'll do it a, a month apart. I'm like, cool. Then my publisher's like, how about we do them three weeks apart? I'm like, um, I think so. And now I'm like, God, and yeah. they're all up for pre-order. So like, I have to deliver them because Amazon does not like it when you cancel pre-orders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, but it would be bad for my publisher if I, I'd like be screwing my publisher over. Yeah, it would that, limit. 
Yeah. So, uh, but no, nah, I'm good. It's going good. Fine? I think. Uh, just uh, fall around cross. There's well, nice. But like, yeah, no, it's good. It's just uh, book five comes out in like two weeks, and I'm editing, and I'm done doing rewrites in book ten, and my editor has book eight. So we're just chugging through it. Nice. The last three books are, are are some of the shortest in the series, though. So, like, I'm over, I'm past like the really thick ones. <laughs> yeah, that that and that's my problem right now. The first one, it's it's 128,000 words. Uh, the second one, I mean, the second one, especially the second one, I have multiple perspectives, so I have multiple stories all being pushed into one, all while pushing the plot for Carson. So that's you know, I, I'm in the fourth rewrite right now, and it's just about 155,000 words. So it's going to be, it's, it's either going to be massive or, you know, it's going to be definitely going to be bigger than the first one. No, my last one was like, I think the biggest, it's like 20,000 words longer than the one I'm currently doing. And the final novel is the shortest one of them all, like at 85,000 words. Wow. Whereas all the rest of them were at least 90,000. Wow. But it's just, I don't know. The last book was really just the, you know, the climax of, 11 books so it's like it's like at the end of book 11 we're like all right time for the final confrontation and then it's most of that book is the final confrontation and the whole just you know 12 books worth of build up towards crazy epic you know stuff that's awesome see the world in the balance and all that that good stuff i hope in that 12th book you give the readers what they want well i hope so after investing themselves in 12 books, geez. Yeah, I hope so. So hopefully it, it all kind of pays off. Yeah, hopefully it's not like, you know, like Game of Thrones where you watch every single season hoping for some one big bang and then it happened, you know, the, the, the finale just flops. That's what happens when you allow hacks to adapt the work of a really good genius writer and then they run out of the genius writer's material and just make shit up. Exactly. And then exactly. you get Game of Thrones. <laughs> and they had a falling out with Martin in season four. Oh, yeah. Um, she quit because they just weren't listening to him any longer. Uh, yeah, and that's, you know. It's like, hey, you need to do it like this. And you're like, nah, we're going to do it our way. We're the, we're the two guys that adapted your books into the best selling thing ever. So clearly we know what we're doing better than you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, you can, there's a, there's an interview with, there's like someone like on like the premiere of season eight on the red carpet, basically like a reporter goes like, Oh, are you, it's like, are you thrilled that they're ending it? Like now he's like, I don't know why they're ending the show with on this season. There's like four or five more seasons of material they could be doing. <laughs> now yeah. I feel ripped off. I had no idea. Now I feel ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, aren't they doing a, a spinoff? Well, yeah, but it's not the same guys that did the original show, and oh, Martin, well, and it's like a prequel. It would be about the Tar—I believe it's about the Targaryens' invasion of Westeros. Okay. So when the dragon first came, or it's either that or it's about the Targaryen civil war that happened about a hundred years later, which is called the Dance of Dragons, and it was really—it's the reason why the Targaryens don't have dragons really mm-hmm. anymore. Basically, they lost most of their dragons in this like civil war, um, and so. And the few they had left just kind of weren't enough to sustain the population. They lost uh, oh. all their dragons. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure what what's it about. Because, like, he's not writing the book, so i kind of losing interest. Because it's, um, he published book the last book the year, the first season of the TV show. 
which mm-hmm. is like 10 years now. So mm-hmm. he's not ready yet, so I don't care anymore. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so where can our uh, listeners connect with you, John? They can connect with me on Facebook. They can connect with me on Instagram, all at author John Bennett. Very simple. Uh, I right now, I just have Facebook and Instagram. I just made a TikTok, so I'm going to try to get into that. And, you know, I just, I want to, you know, I want to hear from you guys. You know, give me, you know, send me a message. Send me what you think of the book. If, uh, you know, if you have any concerns or, or really you just want to have a, a chat, you know, I'm wide open to having a conversation with you, talking about the book, talking about your book, talking about anything. So I am, I'm wide open for you guys. Awesome. Well, it was really great chatting with you, John. Yeah, it was awesome. I had a really good time. Yeah, you have a good one. Yep, you too. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com. And follow me on Twitter, at jmdread. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com and wherever your favorite podcast is hosted.